Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of And Finally with me, Sam Vader, where this week we are going to be discussing a quite a famous person in British history in particular and quite a big figurehead in sort of early British history um, back when the big, mean, stupid Romans tried to invade Britain and I say that as if they didn't eventually succeed that's a point we'll skip over for now but obviously before we get to the episode proper we shall mention that we at sigil arts and me obviously in particular do still stand with the black lives matter campaign a campaign that has lost traction in the media mainly overshadowed by the things like the presidential elections the fact that one of the presidential candidates has got covid the fact that covid is a thing uh, whilst most of those are important stories I still think Black Lives Matter should still be in the forefront because whilst, yeah, oh, who wants to be the president? That's great. But the, the basic human rights of certain people should be the main priority, I think, of the news. And it is still overlooked. So if you want to join the discussion, you can either go to www.blacklivesmatter.com where you can find ways to either help monetarily or non-monetarily and find links to other resources to help educate yourself because education is our key weapon in this battle at the moment but there are other things you can do you can take to social media and use the hashtags blm or hashtags black lives matter to make your voices heard and and keep the discussion going keep talking about the issue until something gets done as we say education is is the key way we are going to win this battle so we need to be educated and hopefully one day you know we'll get somewhere with this and change will be made but with that out of the way we shall yes get into the main episode. Now, as I say, we are talking, uh, did I mention her name? Boudicca, right? That's who we're talking about this week. Quite a famous person in British history. If you're from another country, which I know most of my listeners come from India, uh, some in America, you might know who Boudicca is, you might not, I don't know if you would have been taught about her. She's a very British person. But anyway, um, she's actually been known uh, by several versions of her name. By the way, I'm not going to give the birth year because no one actually knows when she was born or how old she was, yada, yada, yada. Because back then, obviously, most of the accounts of the Celts were written by Romans. The Romans were the ones giving the conquest. They didn't really care about the Celts. If anything, they wanted to just pick, either write them as really weak or really strong. One way just to make them seem insignificant, the other way to make it seem more impressive when the Romans beat them. So accounts aren't that great, so we don't actually know when Boudicca was born. But anyway, yes, she was known by several several versions of her name. Uh, in the 16th century, uh, Raphael Hollinshed uh, called her Voadica, whilst Edmund Spencer calls her Bundica. But in the 18th century, William Cowper's poem Boudicca, B-O-A-D-I-C-E-A, Boudicca, I don't know, an ode uh, in 1782, popularised the alternative version of her name. But her name was clearly spelt Boudicca in the uh, first manuscripts by Tacitus, who was uh, the Roman guy who was most famous for chronicling sort of that period of, of Roman history and where we get most of our history from is from Tacitus. So he clearly spelt it Boudicca at the time and in fact the name actually derives from a proto-celtic feminine adjective which actually means victorious which is obviously where we get the modern name victoria from uh, so queen victoria and everything um and this and actually that in turn is derived from the celtic word buddha meaning victory so clearly i mean 
this is either great foreshadowing of like she was meant to be a really victorious leader which obviously she didn't end up being or this was changed afterwards for some reason I'm not too sure on that myself but it is agreed that uh, Boudicca was however of some form of royal descent in fact Cassius Dio describes her as tall with thorny hair hanging down below her waist and a harsh voice and piercing glare now, whilst this description is probably what most of us take to be what she looks like, and I think a lot of things imagine her with like red hair as well, you've got to take this with a grain of salt, because I mentioned before, the Romans were famous for over-exaggerating in their accounts, especially when they conquered someone. In their accounts of it afterwards, a lot of the time they'd make them out to be these big, fierce, monstrous people, because that mean the, meant the brave Roman soldier had conquered them in a fierce battle. So whilst, you know, you, you, this could be what she in fact looked like, you've got to take this with a grain of salt that maybe Dio here is over-exaggerating her to make it seem more impressive with her eventual defeat. So that is something that I think needs to be taken into consideration when looking through these Roman accounts. Um, but she was also uh, mentioned to have worn a large golden necklace, most likely a talk of some kind, a colourful, because uh, Celts were known for wearing those, a colourful tunic, and a thick cloak fastened by a brooch. Now, Boudicca's husband, Prastagus, P-R-A-S-U-T-A-G-U-S, Pras, yes, I, I don't know. Um, I'm, you know I'm terrible at pronunciations by this point. Whatever. But he was the king of the Iceni people, a people who inhabited roughly what is now Norfolk in the uh, British Isles. And uh, during Claudius's conquest of southern Britain in AD 43, the Iceni initially sort of allied with Rome, just key to maintain their independence and stay out of the way. And they were proud of this independence. And after the revolts in AD 47 of other Iceni people around the country, this is when the Roman governor Publius. Austerius Scalpa, because they had really weird names, uh, he plans to disarm all the peoples in the area of Britain under Roman control following a number of these local uprisings and unfortunately he succeeded. However it is unknown if Prastagus be actually became the king before or after these uprisings were like, put down because Tacitus only sort of mentions him as the, the king that died in in Boudicca's story and was obviously the husband of Boudicca and the father of her children. But he never actually mentions if he was the king before or after these uprisings, whether he was a, just a maybe a noble person beforehand but became the king after allying with Rome, or it, it doesn't mention, but so it's a bit up in debate at the moment. But Tacitus did write this. The Icenian king Paris celebrated for his long prosperity, had named the emperor his heir, together with his two daughters, an act of deference which he thought would place his kingdom and household beyond the risk of injury. The result was contrary, so much so that his kingdom was pillaged by centurions, his household by slaves, as though they had been prizes of war. So basically he sort of made a deal with the emperor of Rome, saying, no, you can be the heir along with my daughters and you can share the land, uh, but the Romans basically uh, didn't agree to that, said screw you, and turned up and murdered him anyway, and basically pillaged his house and his, and his land. Uh, but Tacitus does also mention that Boudicca herself was lashed, and uh, this bit is quite gory, so I'm sorry for anyone for this part, it's, it's, it's horrible, but uh, her two daughters were raped by the Roman centurions that had 
pushed the attack and the estates of the leading Iceni men and women were confiscated from them, basically thrown out from their land and houses, everything by the Roman attackers. Uh, but it was in AD 60 or 61, no one quite knows for sure, uh, while the current governor, Gaius Suetonius Paulinus, was leading a campaign against the island of Mona, which is most likely modern Anglesey, in the north of Wales. Uh, this is where a refuge of British rebels were held in a stronghold with like druids and people. It was actually now that the Iceni, led by Boudicca, well not yet, but she takes leadership, uh, conspired with neighbouring tribes like the Trinovet... Trinovetes... Oh, why do they have such weird names? T-R-I-N-O-V-A-N-T-E-S. Trinovants. Amongst others to revolt, and Boudicca was elected and chosen to be their leader. Uh, Tacitus actually writes that she addressed her army with these words. It is not as a woman descended from noble ancestry, but as one of the people that I am avenging lost freedom, my scourged body, the outraged chastity of my daughters. And she concluded the speech with, this is a woman's resolve, as for men, they may live and be slaves. So she was very much a female power there, obviously, but her words are very poignant. She, she's saying, I'm not doing this because I'm a rich person who lost my land. I'm doing this as one of the people who has lost my, you know, I've lost, lost my culture. My body has been lashed and destroyed by these Romans. My daughters have had their chastity and ripped from them by the Roman centurions. You know, she's like, I don't care what the men do. I'm a woman. I'm standing up now. If men want to run and hide, they can. But we are going to fight. And I love it. It's so powerful. And she clearly had this passion. She wanted to, to fight the Romans. Um, and, and that she did. And Dio actually says that at the outset, Boudicca employed actually a form of uh, like divination like appealing to the gods in fact she apparently released the hair from the folds of her dress and she interpreted the direction in which it ran as a sign of the gods and actually apparently invoked the god Andrast uh, the British goddess of victory to help her conquer the Roman oppressors now actually the rebels first target was Camelondum Ca Modern day Colchester, Cam Dunham, C A M L O D U N U M. If someone wants to, you know, get me a Duolingo subscription to help me learn how to pronounce things, that'd be great, but I can't speak Latin. But yeah, it's modern day Colchester, which by the way is in Essex, really near where I live. Colchester is a lovely city. Uh, now it's not occupied by Romans, but this was at one point the Roman capital of Britain. And I say at one point, because Boudicca very swiftly got her hands on it. Uh, the Roman inhabitants actually sought reinforcements uh, from Cactus, Catus Decinius, but he sent apparently only 200 auxiliary troops, and Boudicca's army fell on the really poorly defended city and completely decimated it, besieging the defenders, and in fact they held out in the temple for two days until Boudicca's armies managed to break their way through and completely decimate uh, what was Colchester decimating the current um, Roman capital of the country, which wasn't very good. But uh, it was at this point that Setonius, uh, which was uh, the governor, he sort of tried to run to Londonium, which, in case you hadn't worked out, is London. 
um, but he didn't stay there for long either. He, he managed to get out when he realised that the city wasn't developed enough. Whilst it was a very good trade centre, and that's why it ended up becoming the real capital of England, and still is today, it wasn't very well defended at the time, so he had to run away. However, I have jumped the gun a bit, because there was actually a bronze statue of Emperor Nero, which actually stood in front of the temple in Colchester, uh, which uh, was decapitated um, by Boudicca's forces, and the head was actually taken as a trophy by Boudicca's army, which is, I mean, it's brilliant, quite frankly. Destruction, yeah, but I mean, the Romans deserved it, let's be honest. Who likes the Romans? If one of you guys are a Roman fan out there, you might be waiting a long time for an episode that gives them a positive light. I've had enough of them. Um, it's just a fact. Um, but yeah, so Londonium was actually abandoned to the rebels because uh, Suetonius just, just ran away. He, was, he got there, realised it wasn't very well defended and thought, I can't hold here, I've got to move. So he did, he, he moved, and but this left it to the, uh, to the mercy of the rebel forces led by Boudicca herself, who promptly burnt it down. And as they went through, they would torture and kill anyone who had not evacuated the city. So, Boudicca, I'm, I'm not defending her actions. She, she was very brutal herself. Um, but then again, the Romans had brutalised her, her entire way of living, her family, her daughters. So I don't think she cared too much. And any Romans, innocent or guilty, were tortured or killed if they hadn't evacuated in time. Um, but arche the archaeology actually shows the evidence of this quite significantly. In fact, it shows in uh, it shows a thick red layer of burnt debris uh, covering coins and pottery dating before AD 60 uh, within what was Roman Londinium. So the evidence is there archaeologically, archaeologically as well as uh, I can't speak as well as historically to uh, show that yeah they uh, they did a number on London as well and you know it was a great they burnt London to the ground before a baker did it in 1666. Um, by the way, don't worry, if you're listening to this and you've got the Boudicca song from Horrible History stuck in your head, you're not the only one. You go get far with Boudicca. Sorry, um, but, but it is stuck in my head as I'm talking about her. Um, anyway, moving on. In, um, in the three settlements that were actually destroyed uh, by Boudicca's rebels, between 70 and 80,000 people are said to be killed by the... Uh, historians that wrote down at the time and that is a lot of people Boudicca made her way through a lot of Roman British citizens and uh, yeah just killed them all just absolute savagery and Tacitus actually says that the Britons had no interest in taking or selling prisoners only in slaughter by gibbet fire or cross gibbet by the way is sort of an early form of the hangman or the gallows uh, where Roman soldiers would basically be hung from it to uh, to die um, via hanging Obviously, fire, you're being burnt, and the cross, I'm only imagining, uh, is like crucifixion, like the Romans did to Jesus Christ and many other prisoners of the time. So, yeah, Boudicca really, um, really did a number on the Romans. I mean, what, what did I say? 70 to 80,000. That's a lot of, especially for back then. You've got to look at populations back then weren't as high. 70 to 80,000 people is a lot of the Britons living in Roman, in Roman Britain. Um, and yeah, she really did a number on them, but Dio's account actually gives a bit more detail, even saying things that, I mean, this is, yeah, this this one's a bit dark as well, I'm not going to lie to you, but apparently the noblest women 
uh, were impaled on spikes and had their breasts cut off and sewn to their mouths. Now, that sounds painful. I mean, I'm not sure which way round they did that. Because, um, I mean, obviously, if they cut the breasts off first, they'd be alive for all of it, and that's quite horrible, but they'd die of bleeding out. Being impaled on a spike, you're going to die anyway. It reminds me a bit of... um. What's his face? Uh, oh, I can't think of his name now. What's his What's his name? Um, Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, the way he treated his uh, soldiers. Um, but I'm not going to go into that now. I've just thought that could be a brilliant sketch for for something else that's on the way that you have a lot to look forward to. Um, but yeah, so they weren't very nice to their prisoners. But at the same time, as like I said before, and I suppose I have to reiterate, is that. Boudicca, she's not looking to make friends here. This this is personal at this point. And, I mean, cause as she said in her speech, this isn't about the fact that she's from high nobility and she's now before, became a peasant. This is about the fact that the Romans haven't just taken her nobility. They've taken her way of life. They, they've taken... They've damaged her body permanently. They've taken, the, basically, the innocence from her daughters uh, in very horrible and graphic ways that she... She wants her land back. She wants these people gone from from her land and she's willing to do whatever it takes to get to it. And in that regard, she's not a villain. What she's doing is brutally awful and I don't, con you know, don't try this at home, kids. But at the same time, is what she's doing wrong? You know, the Romans, they were invaders and they were enforcing their way of life upon people. I know there have been other imperial states and others have done it nicely. You've got the Ashokan Empire that originally was brutal. But then turned to using Buddhism as a form of bringing people into it and it wasn't as imperially brutal. But then you've got the likes of Genghis Khan and who, much like the Romans, were very imperial and just forced their way into people's lives and forced their rule onto them. And this is what the Romans did. They thought they were better than everyone else. Coming from Holy Rome, whether that be Christian Holy or just the Roman Pantheon Holy, and they thought they were better than everyone else. And tried to enforce that. And Boudicca was one of the few people who said no. Much like the Gauls in Caesar's conquest said no. And did a very good job at being a thorn in their side. But as I say, you've got to take the Roman propaganda into consideration. With Has this been exaggerated to make her eventual defeat seem a lot more um, significant? Oh, look at what we've defeated. Or was it true? And were the Romans actually getting really screwed and fucked over by this one woman? In which case, that shows quite badly on them in retrospect. Um, that this one person could cause them so much trouble, you know, the great Roman Empire. Um, so propaganda obviously comes into it, and one way or another, she's going to be remembered as a brilliant person who stood up to an imperial power that not many other people actually managed to stand up to, um, because it was it was a superpower for the time, annoyingly, Rome, and yes, it was burnt to the ground a few times, but for the most part, especially in this sort of early AD, it was still a superpower, despite the fact they kept killing their own emperors. Um, and brutal tactics or not, and whether they're exaggerated or not, she she got the job done and she stood by what she believed in at the end of the day. And that's, that's the important thing, I suppose. But anyway, we, we should get back to, to the story. So uh, Suetonius then took one final stand at an, at an unidentified location but it's believed to be somewhere along the Roman road, now known as Watling Street, in a probably somewhere with a wood behind him. But supposedly his men were heavily outnumbered, and apparently by now the rebel forces were said to have 
numbered between 230,000 to 300,000 people. Now, once again, this should be treated with a grain of salt, and you don't know how much this was exaggerated to make the Romans defeating them in this battle seem more impressive, that they were that greatly outnumbered and they won, or whether this is the truth of the situation and this is what happened. We can never really know what was true, so it's just a case of take that with a grain of salt. But most accounts do seem to agree that the rebel forces were greater than the Roman forces in this battle. And the legionaries were sort of... But to be fair, the, the, the Romans won with tactics. The legionaries stood in a straight line and did not move until Boudicca's forces had fired all of their sort of arrows and long-range things and were in close range. And then the legionaries were charged with spears and swords. And this is how uh, it ended. Because this was, however... As I've mentioned before, where Boudicca would make her final stand, uh, as the Roman legionaries did cut through her forces. Um, historians have agreed that the Roman slaughter of women and animals, like horses or other animals that they brought along for help, uh, was very unusual, but much like Boudicca's approach, I see that maybe as the Romans at this point took this personally, and it was no more about selling off slaves for profit and you know whatever this was about no we need to put this rebellion down completely get rid of all of them kill them all off and that be that so it might have just been a personal reason that they didn't take any slaves from this battle <coughs> and they left no one alive but actually the circumstances surround surrounding Boudicca's death herself is very it's debated Tacitus claims that she actually poisoned herself after being captured to make sure that the Romans couldn't kill her and get to her which is very likely because what they would have done to her probably would have been incredibly brutal and very dark i don't want to go into it too much because it would have been absolutely awful but probably something like what they did to her daughters before maybe with a few more lashings and then probably a public execution so killing herself is probably the most noble way to go not giving the romans a satisfaction of killing their greatest enemy so far however dio says that uh, she fell sick and died however most accounts tend to agree with tacitus claiming that Dio might have been a lot more biased and trying to make it seem like a greater Roman defeat that this great Boudicca in the end just died of illness whereas the poison obviously still shows her to be some sort of martyr that's still outsmarted, outwitted and didn't technically get killed by the Roman forces but uh, just as a little side note there are, there are no records though of what happened to her daughters so there's no way of saying their eventual ending but I suppose that is the story of Boudicca obviously there's not much, it's AD and it's the Celts, we don't have much actual evidence on them, so there's not much you can say except she was a brilliant person who stood up against this horrible superpower and, and almost won, uh, just got unlucky in the end, but likely went out on her own terms, much like Cleopatra did, also against the Romans. So uh, that's women two, Romans nil as far as I'm concerned, and that is a score I am very happy to report. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. But now, with the story over, we shall get to a word from our sponsors, which, of course, as always, is the brilliant King Styles Apparel that does brilliant merch for all your favourite creators with more on the way. You currently have the Failure Wear collection, which is my personal collection. Brilliant stuff in that collection. I've got my Church of Frog Ninja shirt arriving tomorrow, and there are so many other ones that you will absolutely love. You have the Clansman Unite collection designed by Edo and Schmerp himself. By the way, King's Eyes designed my ones, and King's Eyes also did the uh, the yes. Uh, Statement Collection, Jesus Christ, I just can't speak today. The Statement Collection and the Creators of King's Eyes Collection all are brilliant and there are more collections with more brilliant designs on the way, but there are more than just shirts. There are jogging bottoms, there are 
hats, I think. If not, hats are in the discussions. They're a mask, they're a phone cases. Honestly, you will love them all. Please do, do go check it out and support your favourite creators monetarily by, you know, wearing their merch. And then if you wear their merch, why not tweet them on Twitter and let you know, let us know you are supporting them. You can do that with me by either following my personal page, which is at Vader Saiyan, because at Saiyan Vader is taken by someone who hasn't made a tweet since 2013, but that's fine, I'm not bitter. Or you can follow the show page itself, which is at and finally SV, and tweet me you wearing the Failure Wear merch, or you can join my Discord server, the link to that is either on King's style, uh, kingseyes.life on the show page for and finally, or if you go to my personal Twitter again, which once again is at Vader Saiyan, it is the pinned tweet at the top of my profile with a link to my Discord server, where we will hopefully build a massive community of like-minded people who either like history or like to fail. Shout out to my other show, You Have Failed. And we can have discussions about favourite periods in history, TV shows and things that you like, hopefully get you guys involved in the podcast, actually have you on a few episodes, and have loads of fun competitions and conversations, building up a great community of failures and finalists. So please do check that out, guys. It'll be great to get to know some of you a little more. Uh, but with that out the way, I, I think that's everything done. So thank you so much for listening, guys. This show has just hit over 500 listens since moving to Captivate, which for this show means 500 listens its entire lifetime. It's only ever been on Captivate as far as I know and remember, which is fantastic. The growth of the show is incredible. It keeps skyrocketing. You keep giving it so much love, and I really do appreciate that. Um, we're all so happy with what this show is doing so far. And I'm glad that I can keep putting out great content for you guys. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. Please do support. Please do check out the social medias. And finally, guys, I'll speak to you next week.